I want to start this morning with a story. Um, so we're in crazy times right now, right? And as crazy as things are, I know that a lot of us have found a new normal or we're trying to find one anyway. And one of the things that I have done to cope is I have made a schedule for the day for um, my family, my daughter who's four. And now I realize this is not necessarily the thing that's helpful. Some people need to let their schedules go, but um, structure always helps me cope with anxiety. So I set a schedule. Now I don't have the stress or pressure that a lot of parents with school age kids have right now trying to figure out school curriculum and all of that but my daughter is four and she did go to a, a kid's day out three days a week prior to this and so I wanted to incorporate some learning into her schedule um, so I discovered that the company Scholastic offers these online lesson plans for all ages for free so ever since we've been home for the past month every afternoon we come into my office and uh, we spend some time with the pre-k daily lesson it includes a digital book and puzzles and games and things that will help with learning to read and also learning about specific subjects and themes um, but every lesson starts with a darling video and everything about these videos seemed to indicate that they were made when I was a kid. Like just the quality of the video, the music that comes on with the scholastic letter showing up, and it's all very, very cute. And it's it makes me nostalgic to, to watch them. So I always love these videos. My daughter loves these videos too. She gets a kick out of them. They're like eight minutes long. They start the, the lesson off. So um, a couple of weeks ago, the video that we watched was actually super sad, which I found ironic considering the theme for the day was rocks and minerals. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you about this story. It was a story about this little donkey who finds a magic pebble while he's out playing. All he has to do is hold the pebble and make a wish and it comes true. He's so excited about this pebble and taking it home to show his parents, but on the way he encounters a lion. When he sees the lion and realizes that he's in serious danger, he becomes so scared that he thinks to himself, oh, I wish I were a stone. And because he made this wish while holding onto this magic pebble, he turns into a stone on the spot. The tiny pebble falls to his side and onto the grass. So from here, things get super sad. The scenes play out. They first show his parents waiting anxiously by the window all night, waiting for him to come home. Then his parents are frantically knocking on every door in the neighborhood, looking for him, followed by the entire community desperately searching the area. Time goes by and this little donkey is nowhere to be found. In fact, a whole year passes, if you can believe it, the seasons change and this little donkey can't wish his way back because he can't hold the pebble. There seems to be no hope and at some point the narrator even says this. He says about this little donkey turned stone, being helpless, he felt hopeless. Being helpless, he felt hopeless. Now, 
Meanwhile, my daughter is complaining that she doesn't like this one, and clearly she's feeling big feelings. Clearly we are meant to. I am overcome by emotion myself, including anger that they dumped this heavy storyline into Rock and Mineral Day. But I get up and I grab some paper anyway because what was just said really struck me and I just needed to write it down. Being helpless, he felt hopeless. It just rings so true. All the... All of it, the feeling helpless and the hopelessness. And I was thinking, don't we often feel our most hopeless when it seems like there is nothing to be done about something? And doesn't it feel this way a lot lately? Like there is just nothing to be done. But holding on to hope is a part of our spirit instinct. And so we are compelled, even amidst our fear, and even amidst our grief, and even amidst our stress, we're compelled to act, to refuse to be helpless, and to play our part in the work of our world. And I see the evidence all around me. People are working on the front lines, of course. People are responsibly staying home, as we've said. People are donating resources and money and getting groceries for each other. I know a gal who lives in New York City and she has spent every single day of this quarantine, every single day making mask after mask after mask, gathering all the fabric she can find from anybody she knows, sitting at her sewing machine, making masks for a local nonprofit to distribute to medical workers. And then there's Paul, Paul who's watching from our little community who's volunteering most of his days at the Round Rock Area Serving Center. I read about a teenager in Westlake who's printing these protective coverings using a 3D printer to go over the masks for doctors to have further protection. I mean, people are just contributing, right, to the work of the world right now through whatever small or creative means they can think of. Why? Because if we are helpless, then we begin to feel hopeless. And hopelessness is not an option, right? Hopeless hope is non-negotiable for us. It is necessary not just to our survival, but also to our thriving. And don't get it twisted, you guys, with this whole pandemic going on. We were meant to thrive. Don't get it twisted. We were meant to thrive. And hope helps us do just that. Hope is a part of our spirit instinct because it keeps the belief of human thriving, of God's creation thriving alive inside of us. But I think we have it a little bit backwards. I think that our egos tell us that if we are helpless, we will become hopeless, but hope is actually our starting point. Hope always comes first. In fact, hope is our help. We are not helpless precisely because hope is our help. This is the message of Easter, of resurrection. And funny enough, it begins with a stone as well. It is another weighty story that will make you feel your feelings. And it begins with a stone touched by the hand of God. And so I want to read to you the story today. This is from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, the first 10 verses. After the Sabbath, 
as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly. Tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers in Galilee to go to Galilee. There they will see me. We hear the voice of God in these words. Okay, so there you have it. The story of all stories, the narrative that energizes our entire faith paradigm. And you guys, it is a story of hard-won hope. You read it and you can feel the adrenaline. I have this sense of urgency that I love sensing that urgency between all of those involved. The angel saying go, the women running, Jesus suddenly meeting them with another urgent message. This can't wait. Go. Tell what happened. Proclaim what you have seen to be true. And just like that, with the resurrection of Christ, their hope is revived. Their hope is resurrected. This hope is not without grief or lament. It is informed by the pain of suffering and it is propped up by the cross of Christ. This is resurrection hope. And this, my dear friends, is the same hope we have with us now. It is innate, Spirit of God in us, and it is resurrecting us over and over again, bringing us back to life, keeping us going. And this is the hope that we need to tend to and nourish. This is the hope we are tasked with cultivating, especially in these strange times. This is hard won hope. Now, at first when I realized Easter's canceled, we're not gonna be at church. I was filled with grief. I know a lot of people felt that way and still do probably. This is our moment, right? This is our celebratory day. How can we celebrate if we can't sing together? How can we rejoice that Christ is risen if we can't touch each other and be in community together? How can we be filled with resurrection joy if we are stressed or sick or scared or sad? What kind of Easter is this? Well, I'll tell you what kind. It's the same kind of Easter it's always been. It is exactly the same Easter that suffering people throughout history and in our time have experienced and do experience year after year after year. 
We've been saying again and again that this pandemic is an uncovering, and it is. Economically, politically, socially, in every way, and today as well, it continues to uncover what has always been true. That the vulnerable were always vulnerable, that the suffering were always suffering, that the poor have always been with us, that our earth has ever been mistreated. This Easter is nothing new. Only now we are collectively vulnerable, no one untouched by this. And so perhaps now we are collectively able to listen in a new way. And I pray we do. I pray we do. In our listening, we look to the suffering, to the oppressed. We look to the most vulnerable. And as we have long been saying in our community, we move over. We elevate their voices. We lay down our privilege. We listen to their visions because they are informed by hope and healing. This has always been the way. The same is true in our story today. Why do you think the guards fell like dead men, but the women could stomach the miracle? The powerless, the marginalized, the voiceless and nameless have always been the most practiced in hard-won hope. These women at the tomb, they were practitioners of it already in their time. This is why they were the most fitting witnesses and messengers, which is to say prophets of the resurrection. And we take their posture. We follow their lead. We know, we trust that when we do, we will encounter Christ along the way. But we also know that the hard-won hope of resurrection is rooted in grief, despair, and trying times. There's no way around it. Its foundation includes death by way of brutal systemic violence revealing to us the absolute worst of humanity, the absolute worst of ourselves in one fell swoop. This hope this resurrection hope isn't for the faint of heart. It's not a warm and fuzzy pastel colored Easter bunny hope. It's a sweat on your brow, dirt in your nails, mingled with fear and uncertainty kind of hope. This is entrenched in the here and now, facing the future and running toward it like those Marys did, armed with liberation type of hope. This is hard one hope. And praise God that this is the hope we are given because anything less wouldn't do the job right now, guys, right? It would not do the job in a time like this. So going back to where we started, do you wonder what happened in that story I told you about, about the donkeys? Well, time passed season after season, and the donkey woke less and less, succumbing to his fate as a stone. Meanwhile, his parents grieved, reminded of him at every turn, and yet hope is not negotiable. We simply must have it. Our spirit instinct demands hope from us even in the worst of times. And so that little donkey couple went on a picnic Despite their circumstances, they did the hard work of living anyway. And do you know that they found the perfect stone 
off a lovely path surrounded by spring flowers and they set up their umbrella in the ground next to the stone and they place their picnic blanket over the large stone like it was a table and they begin setting out their simple meal and the dad in pulling things out of the basket noticed a small pebble lying next to the stone. He picked it up and inspected it, examined it and concluded our son would have loved this pebble for his rock collection and he set it on the stone. And the little donkey turned stone, felt the warmth of love and was roused from his deep sleep. And he sighed and he thought to himself from within his stone form, I wish I was myself again with my mom and dad, everything back to normal. And the magic pebble that touched him granted the wish. And guess what happened next? resurrection. They were reunited in that hope that had kept him from totally giving up and kept his parents going on picnics together, being present as hard as it was. That was the kind of hard-won hope that brought them to this place of new life, of healing and abundance. That hope is so innate within us you guys, it's everywhere to the point where on Rock and Mineral Learning Day, we're given stories about donkeys who have it too. This is our hope. This hope is our hope. And this hope will be our help in the present moment and in the unknown future that's ahead of us. And lest we feel like we just don't have it in us, may I remind you that the job has already been done. The stone representing shame and grief and anger and fear and death has already been pushed out of your way and the path has been cleared for your own resurrection. Why do we need to see the empty tomb? See the presence of God touching it. Go over what happened again and again and again, year after year after year. We do it to know that if there's no grave that will hold Christ, then there's no grave that will hold us either. None. So I'm wrapping this up and I want you to know that I practically, I did, I begged Fran to sing the song that she's gonna sing after this video. She's gonna jump on, she's gonna sing a couple songs. The one she sings first, I begged her to sing. Yes, I love it. I love the words. The song is called Ain't No Grave. I think it's by Bethel Music, and I've been listening to it all week, and I hope that we sing it every year together for the rest of the time after this. But my favorite part of the song is a sort of mantra that's sung toward the end, and I want to invite you to claim it as your own today. It is this. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Talking to God, right? Say it with me. If you walked out of the grave, God, I'm walking too. <laughs> but really, seriously, this is what it means to me. First and foremost, to follow the way of Christ. Walking out of our own graves of helplessness and being rebirthed into hope. It is hard-won hope because it must be cultivated. And that takes work. But we were made to do this work. So, my simple benediction for you, may our resurrection work start or perhaps continue now. And may 
our hard-won hope be our reward. Amen.